Welcome to Humans of SaaS. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and on this show, I talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and leaders from the tech industry who each have a unique and compelling story to share. This week, I'm so excited to be joined by Alexa Gates. Alexa leads demand generation here at Catalyst, which basically means she and I come up with a lot of weird ideas, and then she figures out how to make money from them. That is pretty much how the marketing team at Catalyst works. Um, but it's working out pretty well so far. And she and I had an absolute blast recording this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Are you going to work throughout the recording? Like, are you going to pay like half attention to me? while? <laughs> you know, then I'm not. I'm not because that's a pet peeve of mine and it makes meetings last longer. Not all meetings have to be 30 minutes. And I think that that's a like functionality piece that Google Calendar should consider because it defaults. Sure. Uh, you can change like the default of your meeting time. Like the shortest meetings for me default to 30 minutes, right? Right. And sometimes really I'm like- 15. Yeah, I think I might actually, after this podcast recording, go in and change it because we could probably accomplish the same amount in 15 minutes if the people were just focused on what they were doing for 15 minutes. But I don't know about you, but like if I am heads down in a 30 minute meeting, I come back to six Slack messages. Uh, well, yeah, and just a pile of other stuff. And then it's just more time wasted. I think about that uh, Elon Musk quote that's something, I and mean, he probably stole it from someone else, but it was something like, um, if you give yourself like four hours to clean your house, you'll do it in four hours. If you give yourself a week to clean your house, it'll take you a week. Right. So it's literally just like, you can get a lot done. It's just about how much time you allot yourself. So I feel like it's the same with meetings. Like if we had 15 minutes, we'd be like, get in, go. Like screw small talk. I don't care how you're feeling. I don't care about your dog. Like, <laughs> let's just get into it. Well, like, let's make it happen. And then I have less meetings throughout the day. So I can actually ask you intentionally about your yes. dog and how you're feeling and like your emotions and all your thoughts and feelings. Theoretically, like I wouldn't be asking you that, but like maybe some people I would care about that. I mean, you ask me that. I feel like you check in. You're a good colleague that way. On Norma. I check in on the cat for sure. On the cat. Yeah. She's, we, I know people, I'm, I have no delusions that uh, I am the one people like, they're just friends with me to get to her. It makes sense. Um, well, we have a lot to cover on the, on the, uh, on the podcast. I think the most important thing, because it's so central to who you are, um, you know, being ginger you know, you had a destiny. You were, <laughs> you had a this, destiny. This is the preface, <laughs> the most important thing. And then you're going to talk about, yeah, okay, me being a redhead. All right, yes, go on. Well, I just have to ask you because I know that not being cast as Annie was a pivotal point in your life that changed the entire trajectory of your life. So tell me about that. I have said this before, yes. So when I was younger, I did a lot of theater. And so did you. Yes. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of transferable skills to be had in the professional world from the performing arts. Like I really, I believe that. I was in the production of Annie more than one time, but um, when okay. I, just so just so everyone the, knows, the only redhead in Indiana, they were like, we just, need to put her in you, every like, production. The only redhead in Indiana, we need you. No, but honestly, like later in life, I think it would be a great goal to like be Miss Hannigan in some like low budget civic theater play. That's like more my speed. <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. But I was, yeah. So when I was maybe like eight or nine, I was in a community theater production of Annie and I went and auditioned and Annie is obviously like a very well-known musical and it drew a lot, a lot, a lot of kids from around the South Bend, Mishawaka, Indiana area, which is where I'm from. And, and it's so, also the musical theater capital of the Midwest. Yes, the musical theater <laughs> theater capital of the Midwest, this Michiana, 
Yes, the <laughs> Michigan, Indiana area is the musical theater capital of the Midwest. But uh, so th this community theater production, and a lot of people auditioned, and it was like very competitive. And I made it to the callbacks for Annie, and they did. I'm not joking. Ten girls got callbacks, and then they did like six rounds eliminating oh, wow. these these ten girls for Annie, and I made it to the final three. Right? Wow. And you know it was a lot of pressure, and I remember being eight and being like, oh my gosh, how is this gonna? you know, impact my schooling, but most importantly, my figure skating <laughs> career. Oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to oh, handle all the pressure once I'm Annie. And I went into the, the, like the final three audition, like section and I was cut. I didn't make it. And I remember like being upset, but also being like, you know what, like, that's okay. Because if you made it, you know, to the callbacks, you were still one of like the principal orphans. So like <laughs> the orphan <laughs> that had like lines and things. And so I was like, that's okay. Like, I'm still going to have a big role in the show and then I came back for casting and I was cast as Pepper and I don't know which if one from... is she she's is the, she the bitch tall, orphan. angry one she's yeah, the yeah, bitch yeah. orphan yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pepper is like the oldest orphan yeah yeah she's like she's three feet bossy. taller than every other orphan she's a bully she's mean <laughs> like Pepper's not nice she tells everybody Santa isn't real right she okay right. and I was really offended like I remember coming back and being like mm, I can't wait to like get to know these other girls and like be a part of this play and it was like you're the bitch orphan Alexa congratulations you made it to the bottom three uh, to be Annie who's the delight who takes yeah. in animals off the street and everyone loves her and she's always singing and like now you're the mean orphan yeah and I I went home to my mom and I was like Sandy oh your mom's also named after the dog too my mom I should have been Annie what the heck I'm sorry yeah. I'm gonna have to discuss this in therapy <laughs> later clearly I'm not over it but anyway so I was cast as Pepper and I truly though, like looking back on this now as a 30 year old, like it's so funny to me because there's like, okay. So I, I have a summer birthday. So I was yeah. the oldest person in my grade. I am a little bossy. I'm not going to lie to you about that. We work together. You know that about okay. me. Well, I'm going to ask you about that. I now as an adult really appreciate Pepper. Like Pepper tells <laughs> it like it is. Yeah. I, I, I try to tell it like it is. I am very yeah. Midwestern. <laughs> I try to be kind, but I am a very direct communicator yeah. and I think that Pepper, it just is what it is, right? So like Pepper's like, you know, statistically, not all of us are going to be adopted, okay? <laughs> statistically, some of us yeah. have to be left behind and we just have to acknowledge that. Also, Santa's fake. She just was telling it like it is. And now yeah. as an adult, I'm like, you know what? I uh, appreciate that. And I yeah. like to embody, I'm owning my my Pepper. Those casting directors knew what they were doing. They knew, but the real slap in the face was I had to wear like this ugly kerchief on my head to cover my red hair and Annie had to wear a wig <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh they had to hide because people would have thought that you were Annie people were like there's too many redheads on the set you know there's only yeah, one there can only be one yeah that's correct yeah, 100% I completely forgot about this but I actually had a similar experience so I didn't make it as far with you as you did for the the professional cast of uh Oliver the musical really uh, which was in stratford ontario which is a, a major like musical theater hub where all the shows go i i think i did got one callback and then i was rejected i like to think it's because i look too put together I they're like so no one would buy that this guy is an orphan i was like 10 years old but um yeah it probably had to do with me not being as talented as the other kids but um i get it know. that actually makes me feel better because yeah nobody would probably buy that i would be adopted 
you know, I don't think anybody would <laughs> would pay for me to be there. I actually spot. think this, you would be because you're very sense. outspoken and it's like people would be like, oh, I like that. You're actually your personality is like not that far off from Annie. Like Annie's like sly and smart and outspoken and like charming. And she's like got like gumption, like moxie, you know, like in the way men used to describe women in the 50s who were like feminists. Yeah, <laughs> you've got moxie, kid. Exactly. We should bring that back, but just for people in general. Okay. I think it's a fun word. I'll help you. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so what was the the path from uh, so Annie, and then you didn't make you didn't get the part you wanted, so you're like, screw it, I'm going into demand gen. Yes, exactly. I knew I didn't have a future <laughs> as a professional performer. I, I obviously I knew that I didn't I wasn't cut from the right cloth. Of course. So I decided, you know, after getting an undergraduate degree, I was like, well, I might as well go into tech. But the truth is that right after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to travel. I'm very energized by being new places and like having new experiences. And it makes me incredibly creative and also empathetic. Like I am able to access a certain level of not only like professional performance, but also just like personal performance, like through empathy by having new experiences and being new places. So I wanted to travel. I was like, I just want to go somewhere new. I've lived in Indiana my whole life. So I got a, a contract job that sent me to different colleges and universities. And I basically got this job and they sent me to North Carolina. They were like, you live here now. They gave me an address and I moved into like a furnished apartment. And then after I did that for a year, I did that in Oregon. I lived in Oregon and I was like, this is great. Like I love being new places and doing new things. What type of job or life can I have where I can still have a lot of different experiences and travel and do different things. And so truly getting into tech was twofold. One, everyone I had ever met had said to me, when you grow up, you should be in sales. And I really okay. internalized that and was like, okay, when I grow up, I'll sell things. Like that sounds <laughs> simple enough. I'll do that. Couldn't have gotten adopted, but like I'll sell some things. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. I, I said, I'll do that. I started looking for like entry level sales jobs and like being a BDR, SDR kind of kept coming across my radar. And then secondary to that, being in tech for me was and continues to be a lifestyle choice. Uh, and I say that because when I moved back to Indiana, but I moved to Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis, yeah. when I moved, I wanted to be able to walk to work. I know that sounds very silly, but I wanted to be able to walk to work. I wanted to feel like I was a part of a city and a part of a community. And a lot of the tech jobs were in downtown Indianapolis. And so I literally just got a BDR job at a tech startup where it allowed me to like walk to work every day, bike to work every day, and then like stay out after work and like have drinks and then walk home. Like it was truly a lifestyle choice yeah. and then has evolved into my profession and, and like a, a passion of mine. Yeah, which you are incredibly good at. And you've also been able to maintain this like every other weekend you're in a new city, it seems like. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Like I'm going through a renaissance perhaps in my mm -hmm. life. I turned 30 in July and I'm having like the best year of my life at 30. Um, the pandemic really, I'm realizing now how hard it was on me because I was really gone quite frequently. And so many people ask me, like a lot of people, as I meet people from across the country are like, why do you live in Indianapolis? Like, why are you such an advocate for the city? And I honestly realized during the pandemic that I love Indianapolis, 
There's so many good things about it. But a big reason that I loved it was that it is not expensive to live in Indianapolis and it's very easy to leave. Like we have an excellent airport. It's like one of the top rated airports in the United States. I talk about it all the time (laughs) because it was easy to leave. And now that obviously the pandemic is not over, but now that there are vaccines and like we know more about it, we are more educated. And I personally feel safe to be traveling. Like I'm Mm -hmm. back out doing that. And I work at a job that allows me to do that as a remote employee. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually a better employee because of that. Like what I'm able to accomplish and how I'm able to be creative or thoughtful or really put myself like, think about ways to put customers at the center of what we're doing. I know that I'm the better, I'm a better version of myself when I've had those different experiences or am in a new environment. It makes sense. I mean, it's the same thing as even when like the reason I love coming to the office and I I wish more people did, but like is being able to take those like 30 minute walks or hour long walk like over somewhere else or go out for like a long lunch or something like that, because it's the stuff where it's when you're away from your desk and like away from your computer that creative ideas come to you because your brain is not it sort of like changes. You're experiencing new things, smells, sights, like even subconsciously. And you experiencing a lot of smells on your walks. <laughs> I live New in York New York. <laughs> I, everything is a smell. We open the window and it's like, oh, what a nice fresh breeze mixed with human excrement. That's great. <laughs> what a I good... love paying three times the cost of living here. This is awesome. Okay, wow. It's weird because like this is going to become a commercial for Indianapolis as you talk as you talk <laughs> a bunch of smack about New York City. Don't but think I haven't considered moving here. Moving here. I'm working on it. But it's funny that you say that because I made a LinkedIn post about this not not that long ago, but Sydney Strader, who's, you know, the VP of customer success here at Catalyst, and I were having a conversation about how like the best ideas and sometimes your most innovative ideas are not happening to you when you're like sitting in front of your double monitor, right? Yeah. That time is important, that productivity time, that like deep tactical deep work. work time. But as I advance in my career and as I build another team out under me here at Catalyst, as I did previously at, you know, at Envision and at Springbuck before that, I know that that time is really important to me. And so I'm excited to have the opportunity to reclaim it. And I'm really thankful to have a job in a field that allows me to do that, but also encourages it. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And, um, I mean, sometimes you're calling in from random places, but it's great to see like how much you're traveling. And it's like, especially in tech where people are infamous for like not taking PTO, for not taking time for themselves. Obviously you travel mostly on the weekends. It's not like you're taking like multiple weeks of PTO at the time, but just the fact that you're able to to make that all work and make it seem so effortless and then come back energized and joined from wherever you are is an awesome example and a cool option to see someone living. Well, good. There. I'm really, really glad to hear that. Um, I'm jealous I'm- of you on 90% of the time. of the time. Well, you know, the money that I'm saving on rent by living in Indianapolis, I'll just put it there. I'll just leave that there. Yeah, no, I, yeah. But but I, I believe me, I'm like, there are so many, I could move anywhere else in the world except for like Monaco and I would be in it better than I am living in Brooklyn Heights. But (laughs) hey, at least it's a nice view. And smell. And smell. Well, it smells better there than in Manhattan. But um, you mentioned before, about uh, identifying with Pepper because she's bossy. Do you consider yourself bossy? I do. I know there was like a bossy movement not too long ago. You know, Tina Fey released her book, Bossy Pants, which I read and I really liked. Uh, I'm a big Tina Fey fan, Uh, but I do identify with 
bossiness. I think it's something, it's like a word that women have definitely worked to reclaim, I'd say in the last eight to 10 years. And I know that there's definitely an emphasis on the way that we talk to young women, like especially girls about being bossy. But yeah, mm-hmm. I 100% identify with being bossy. And I, and, I, and I think there's a time and a place for it. Like there are so many situations in my personal and my professional life where I show up and I'm like, wow, all of you were literally waiting for somebody to just tell you what to do. And I am <laughs> here to do it. I will help you out. And there's, I think, a really fine line between being what some people would describe as bossy and Some people call it radical candor, which is like yeah, a fancy candor, tech work thing, right? It is. And radical candor, the most important part of radical candor is that you have to care personally and challenge yes. directly. And that I think is so important. So I am a very direct communicator. And part of that is because I have a severe like attention deficit disorder. And so some people say to me like, wow, like you're so direct or abrasive, but I am Midwestern. So I really am very conscious of like how I'm being perceived. And like, if I enter somebody's physical space without the permission, I have to ope. Have you ever heard of that? The Midwestern ope? If you walk through a grocery store in Indiana, if people come within, I'm not joking, like two feet of each other. Oh, 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 you have to make a verbal acknowledgement that you've entered somebody's physical space. And so whenever I go to New York City or like anywhere on the West Coast, it's so strange because I'm the only one opening. I'm just like opening my way through public transit constantly. But people are just sitting on your lap on the subway. And they're just if you say anything, they're like, off. But I digress. And this is a perfect example of that, because, you know, even though it's very normalized to be a little bit neurodivergent now, I hope. And even though I have ADHD and I have for my whole life, this tangent I just went on is a great example of why I have to be direct. Because if we are not taught, I value efficiency and directness so that I can talk a bunch of bullshit about like not being cast as Orphan Annie and oping around uh, the East Coast uh, because I will get distracted. So I just really, my directness is more about like, what is the shortest path between point A and B? How can we get there the most painlessly and efficiently? Um, because ultimately, I just want to be adopted. <laughs> that's what this you is know, all been about. That's from day what one. this is all about. Take me home with you, please. <laughs> if I generate enough demand, I will be taken <laughs> home will, by Daddy Warbucks. Somebody will love me. Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out catalyst.io to learn more. I mean, that was one of the first things that I noticed when we started working together that I loved was just how direct you are. And it's something that people aren't enough. They're not often direct. And then it's like with some people, you can call it out and be like, okay, like, what are you trying to say? Like, can you, I, I know there's something that you want to say, like, can you please just say it? And then some yeah, people yeah. You just have to like do the dance and be like, okay, I kind of gleaned this sort of vibe, but like, you know, you're, they're trying to be polite. So I haven't said anything. 
and it's funny because like you also don't hide your emotions well i hope you don't mind me saying this but i can but generally as i'm sure you know <laughs> i can see like uh, i know when we're in meetings and i'm like oh alexa's like not she's not having this meeting this is not going like and i know that you want to interject and i can like see you debating whether you should or whether you're going to let it pass and sometimes you'll go up to the camera and you'll do a thing as if you're about to jump in and then you'll like I see you make the movement of like Alexa, like take a step back. And so I love seeing that act, that play act out in all of our meetings together. But I love when you interject and you like come in, lay down the law, say this is exactly, you know, let's get to, let's cut the bullshit and get to it. I think that's the most valuable thing you can have at a company. I want a company full of people like that. Well, and you know what? I appreciate that. And I, I want to be clear, like for the listeners who maybe have not had the, the, the joy and the privilege, right. Of meeting me in person <laughs> is, is that, Oftentimes too, like I am laying the framework for other people who are smarter yes. than I am to step in and have their ideas heard. Because sometimes if they're, if things are unclear, our goals are unclear, the mission is unclear, the outcomes, a lot of people in that moment, uh, and a lot of things are a gray area, especially at the stage of company that Catalyst is at right now, right? Series B funded, like, you know, just over a hundred employees. There's a lot of gray area. Mm -hmm. A lot of people walk into rooms or virtual rooms and are like, well, there must be somebody here that I, I must be silly. Like I can't ask a clarifying question or I won't ask a clarifying question about this because I must be missing a piece of information or, and a lot of my directness in those contexts exists to clear everybody of their self-doubt and just say like, yeah. let's level the playing field and just talk about what we're here to like talk about. Cause we're all on the same team. We all want to win together. And a lot of the directness is just kind of clearing the bullshit out of the way so that we can do that. Yeah. But as a result of this conversation, I do get Botox already. I do. I'm a fan <laughs> of and I, I'm into the neurotoxic protein. I'm really, really into it. And I like it to be injected into my face. And I get it right now. I'm like, oh, it's preventative. But now I'm going to get more of it because I do probably need to do a better job of hiding my expression. So I'll just oh, freeze was, my okay, face. Okay, yeah. Wonder, wonder where that was coming from, where, where that was going. I will going. just I, freeze my face. That's, that's a good idea. Yeah, or maybe a Zoom filter. This is a good Zoom filter idea. Like, excited to be here or like not at all confused or like these goals are completely attainable. Yeah. I could see that looking horrifying, like superimposing an expression on <laughs> someone's face. I don't think we could do it convincingly for a long time, but Let's hey, think about side it. hustle it up and, and we'll go from there. But no, I think, I think you make a great point about like being at what's like being at a series B company. And I mean, it, it's a lot of gray area in terms of just like, figuring shit out like there's no processes sometimes in some places there is process and sometimes there isn't and sometimes there is but it needs to be changed because it's not working and so it's about like being comfortable with i mean i guess that's something too that i'm curious about with you because you are someone who who wants who craves like process and order because that is what you need in order to combat your adhd to like be productive while having this like constant you know, pull towards the tangents or, or distractions, but you still have seeked out places where their process needs to be built and you're somehow, and you are okay with that. So like, how do you like rationalize putting yourself in, in these, like, uh, you could be a consultant at like McKinsey or something like that, where there is like step one through 10 of doing these things. Yeah. And you choose to be in like the chaos of, of catalyst. That's a really good point. I think, are you are you are you a masochist? I am. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Thank you for telling everyone I am a masochist. No, but I think that's a really good point. One, 
in order to be a consultant at McKinsey, I'd have to get an MBA. And if my dad ever listens to this podcast, he'll be like, good idea. Go do it right now. Go do it. But I'd, I'm not going to do that. I think that's a really interesting question. Like I do actively seek out places and spaces of chaos because I am inspired by them. And I am very energized by like bringing some level of order that then produces a desired result to a mess. Like I have always been very motivated right. by that, by by finding the things that go together, the connective tissue. It's just like a big puzzle. Like I really like puzzles. And when you look at like a puzzle, like spread out all over a table, it is chaos. But if you dive into it like bit by bit, you're able to like really put the pieces together. And that's what demand generation is, I think, on marketing teams. Demand gen is the connective tissue between all of the other aspects of marketing. Because fundamentally, that's what we're here to do is generate demand and interest inside of our target market. And so demand generation, depending on what you know, B2B SaaS organization you work in has different kind of like connotations. But in my opinion, and the way that I have structured and will continue to structure my career and how I serve the organizations that I work for is that demand gen is the really like the thing that binds us all together, right? The connective tissue. And that's really what I like about it. But I think that's a really interesting point. I do kind of actively seek out places so and spaces of chaos. Well, so I, th I think like just from what you said, I think it makes sense. I think I think it's not so much that you love process and order it's like what you love is the journey to is like building processes like adding structure where there wasn't and then getting the results from that like the satisfaction you get from finishing a puzzle which i can't relate to i hate i can't stand puzzles but good to know uh next christmas for you i'll get puzzles you, uh, maybe a little orphan any puzzle just to reopen the wound uh-huh just really get it in there um i wanted to ask you about the adhd stuff how has that been sort of in terms of figuring out how to work you know, productively at like growing companies. Was it ever a problem or were you from day one? Like, I got this, I'm going to figure it out. I can make this work. Something else is like my, my whole family, like my parents really believe in education and the value of education. This also like goes back to the master's degree joke I just made, like the MBA joke. And uh, my mom was a teacher. She was an educator for 26 mm. years. And so I went to a really cool, like Montessori type style school. So when I was younger and my teachers had said like, Alexa's, Alexa's a joy to have in class, yeah, but yeah. Alexa has a hard time focusing and sometimes will distract other students. And like, for some reason, keeps bringing up how she didn't get cast as Annie. It's so <laughs> weird. But anyway, um, instead of the first pass at this sometimes is like a diagnosis and then you're medicated. The mm. first pass at this for me was that I would be removed from the larger classroom and put into a smaller group. So I left with some other students who were somewhere like on a learning disability or a neurodivergent spectrum mm -hmm. and got put into this like smaller classroom. So like reading math, like when I was in grades, like one through four, I would take in a very small environment where somebody was like watching me work. <laughs> okay. And that really worked for me. And then going as an adult, and now I am medicated, which is really helpful. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But like as an adult, making my own choices, right, about whether or not to like be medicated or just like raw dog life. Um, but also like going in, going into an office mm -hmm. was really helpful for me. So when I got my first job in tech and was like cold calling with other people, I was like, this is great because there's like accountability and energy that I can feed off of and I can stay focused on what I'm supposed to accomplish. 
And then in March of 2020, when my company at the time sent us home, at first it was like, oh, like this is fun and weird and like I can do laundry. But I really, <laughs> I like really struggled for a while because sometimes I would just get sucked into being in my home and like an hour and a half would go by and I was like listening to a call, but the call had ended, but my headphones were still in and I had like recolor coded the bookshelf. Right. And so like, I really, really struggled with that. So I had to kind of like figure out if I'm going to work from home and be successful because I am an achiever and I want to achieve and do well, uh, I have to figure out how to do this. And so that's when I also really fell in love with like going somewhere else to work and also in my home, like I'm podcasting with you right now from my home where I live. This is my workspace and I'm only in this space if I'm working. And if I'm not working, I move to a different space. And I'm very, very conscious of that. Like if I'm going to mm. use my la work laptop really quick to like pay a bill or like shop the Sephora sale, I physically get up and go into a different space to do that. And that has been incredibly helpful. So like I'm pretty good at boundary setting as a person. Um, the last person I ever learned to really set boundaries with was myself. And now like that is a very good, it's a good relationship. And also it's a really important one for my person, my personal and professional success. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, that's interesting that you will, even for those small things sort of keep the, keep the division. But I, I like that. I mean, Anthony, my partner, sometimes it's frustrated because, uh, as I think a creative person, he has a very hard time compartmentalizing. His brain is like all over the place all the time, which is why he's creative. He makes these random connections between things and then that lets him do th like, think of things that no one else thinks of. But for me, I'm like creative within boundary. I need my boundaries. I need like, this is why I come into the office, even though it's like disgusting subway commute, like all this stuff. I'm like, I need like work is at work. And then home is like home. I don't want to talk about work when I'm at home. It's same, same with, with Anthony is that like, we could be working on a project together, but then I'm like, okay, we worked from 1 PM to 4 PM on this project. Now it's done. Now we're in evening mode. I'm going to shower, do whatever. And then we're going to relax. But then he'll have an idea two hours later or something else will come up. And then it's like, I don't want to talk about it. So I get cranky. And then, you know, that's there's a lot of that. So I think the, the structure thing is important. But, you know, maybe marry someone who also has the same. <laughs> maybe. OK, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I'll think write that down. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Thank marry so someone much. who also compartmentalizes so that they don't <laughs> infringe on your compartmentalization because wedding advice that's this is a wedding advice podcast now so you know it's so many things really it, it's everything and nothing all at the same time that's how i pitch it to people now okay the other Thing we didn't talk about because you know as much as little orphan annie was intense um you also were a competitive figure skater were you not i was i was a competitive figure skater for on, like leotards sparkles glitter in your hair oh the costumes arguably are the best part oh interesting okay well i don't know about that like did you get the to help design them the grace like the 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 subculture of wouldn't the it sport, be great if like, like for the olympics people just like skate out in their uni in their costumes do like a, a lap and then just leave i could compete then i would <laughs> be i could do it but you know i was a competitive figure skater it was a very formative experience for me um and something i really enjoyed doing and it really had a big impact on like my relationship with other people and with myself and also how I approach work because 
being in an individual sport, because I wasn't, I wasn't like a pair skater. I was like an individual yeah. freestyle skater. Um, being on a team, like on a club team, but competing individually really had an impact on the way that I think about the way that I do work now. Like yeah. a lot of the time in life, I think, and also in work, like you are your own biggest competition. You're competing with yourself. And I learned that from a very young age. And it's something that I kind of like relearn over and over again, that ultimately like what you think of yourself and your performance is the most important thing. And that is the only thing that you have to prove to yourself, but that's tough. Like sometimes mm -hmm. that you're your own biggest critic, but you can also be your own biggest cheerleader. And we as humans are very, very bad at judging our own performance. And it's something I think about a lot because I spent a lot of time with myself competing against myself yeah. amongst a group of people who were also doing the same thing. Right, right. So there's sort of like indirect competition. Oh yeah, like somebody, I, I, this has been coming up a lot recently. Like I have talked to a lot of people about this recently. It wasn't until I joined a sorority in college that I fully understood that like I could actually have friendships with other women that were not also like, but I hope you fall. Like I would spend so much time with these other women, these other girls rather, like through my formative years and like have sleepovers at their house and go to their birthday parties and they were my best friend. But also yeah. like, if you fall, Sarah, <laughs> that would help me a lot. Like if you could just eat shit out there, I would really appreciate that. But I'm going to come over later because I heard you have the new Barbie dream house and I want to play with it. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a little microcosm of of adult life for a lot of people. Um, right. Or or just like the, the prelude to I, Tanya. It is. the pre Oh, my gosh. Which is a fabulous movie. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, fantastic. I think it's so great. As is Blades of Glory. I think that that also deserves a show. Those are my two figure skating movie references. Yeah, is that your two figure skating? There are yeah. quite a few figure skating movies. My favorite one is The Cutting Edge. Have you ever heard seen that nope. movie? It's an 80s movie, a lot of 80s outfits, hair. Great. And uh, it's about this hockey player, this Olympic hockey player who gets like checked illegally and he goes blind in one eye and they're like, oh, you can't be a hockey player anymore. But he's like, but I got to skate, man. Skater. And so he becomes a competitive <laughs> pairs figure skater. Oh, and man. it's like a enemies to, to friends, to lovers story. And, oh, wow. um, you know, I won't spoil it for you, but yeah, it, no, there's a happy I, ending. I would have loved to have just been able to pitch movies in the eighties. Like they were just, they'd make anything. Like they're someone was pitching you know, Back to the Future, and they're pitching like all these these ridiculous, dirty dancing, fatal attraction, like so many great movies that would just be ridiculous to pitch. Could you imagine pitching the movie Face Off? I guess that came out that came out in like the mid nineties. Yeah, can you but, imagine? Yeah, pitching that movie to somebody. I think about yeah. I think about what are these conversations like, and that's why it's not my job. Yeah, no, but it sounds like a great job. I'm, but I'm like these people were must have been on like a lot of cocaine to say yeah. Mike and Mike, our head of marketing, and I have 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 talked about. There's a movie I forget if you and I have talked about it as well called Three Ninjas, that came out in like the early no. Haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I've never heard of this. Okay, so Three Ninjas. It came. I think it was like early '90s, and it was like a made-for-TV movie. And literally, it's about if I had to like pitch it like in the boardroom, it's like three kids who are trained by their grandfather to be ninjas and then the burglars break into their home and then like hilarious chaos ensues. But okay, there's also like okay. a larger story of like a guy who's selling bombs and it's like a whole, it's a okay, whole thing. So easy. I know how we pitch this. All right, everyone home alone. Yeah. But ninjas, but more, but ninjas <laughs> exactly. Done. Home alone with ninjas. 
I would one. I would produce that movie. I would give you money. Home right, Alone. Yeah. But Ninjas. I'm like, yeah. I'm there. Now, how do we turn that into a marketing campaign for Catalyst? That's the real question. I will put it in our brain dump mural board. Yeah, we should probably tell people what the brain dump mural board is because anyone who listens to this podcast probably knows that we do a lot of creative marketing here at Catalyst. Um, we've done the dating app for CSMs. We do like a MasterChef competition in person here in New York. We've done our meme library. Um, a lot of this magic comes from this ideas folder called the brain dump that has a few different categories. I, there's always ridiculous stuff in there. It's like I'm trying to think of it's like something out of Willy Wonka's factory. You never really know what, what you're going to get. But there's a category that's just called illegal. It's called probably illegal. Yeah. Probably illegal. And we recently categorized it. But I encourage any and all marketing teams or creative teams to do something like this. We started it like when I joined because yeah. Slack is a excellent and a collaborative space to be. Um, but a product, you know, I think downfall of Slack is that it's very difficult for you to reference your ideas again. Yep. And so, you know, we've created this space, this quote unquote, like safe space where no ideas are bad <laughs> ideas. And we want you to literally brain dump and put your ideas there. And then we've created kind of this reoccurring experience where as we look ahead and plan our months or our quarters, or we're looking for something to fill the gap, we refer to this space that has all this like good creative energy. And even though sometimes there are things that are absolutely ridiculous in there or yeah. streams of consciousness, there is often something that, that comes from it. And what I think is so cool about it is that anybody can contribute to it. And I think that's the yes. key. Like it isn't, you know, and granted, mostly the marketing team does it, but anybody's idea is valid in the brain dump space. That's exactly what it is. And we want everybody to contribute to it. And like Scout, our designer has put some ideas in there that have become, you know, oh, yeah. after some transformation, like have become demand gen programs. Definitely. And, and it's also amazing for that use case that I know like everyone who works pretty much at any company is familiar with when it's like you have some boss or your boss's boss or your boss's boss's boss and they come out and they're like hey here's like i had this idea when i was like had taking a shower yesterday and it's like unrelated to anything that you're currently working on and you don't have bandwidth and it's just like why are you saying words at me but instead of saying that out loud even though that's what i'm usually thinking we now could say great idea thanks for sharing it we're gonna put it in our <laughs> in our ideas folder and then it just goes in the brain dump and then at any point in the future we can always reference it we know that the shower idea that they said and everyone is happy and so that's been great for me because i used to just get very frustrated um when people would throw ideas at me out of nowhere and then now it's like there's a there's a path yes and as somebody you know you referenced like you told all your listeners about my you know neurodivergency thanks so much yes. for that like You're it's welcome. very it, that is very helpful for me as well because I do have a like, okay, where do I put this idea or like, where do I put this thing right. experience a lot? And it's kind of just a space for me to put it somewhere safely and then I can refer back to it. And oftentimes we use it or it becomes something else in an iterative way, which is awesome. I do think, I mean, there's one that's miscategorized that I feel like I should share and that's the direct mail campaign. So it's currently <laughs> in the maybe illegal category, but... <laughs> this one I really think we should do. And so for everyone listening, I've spelt mail M-A-L-E. And it wasn't meant to send people strippers. It's meant to send people a direct mail, which would basically be like an Alexa, like someone who is like very straightforward, have maybe has some like catchphrases or things like I can't remember the examples, but it's just like you need to concentrate and get your work done. Like you did not do a good enough job on that presentation. They would just have a bunch of like pre-baked lines, and so it's just like a very direct mail. 
But like, I think that would be a very fun gift to receive if you are someone who we are trying to sell to. I think you, that would be like a delightful thing to receive. It'd be like, hey, our boss told us to do a direct mail campaign. So here you go. This is this is Stuart. <laughs> and that's like, I don't know where it goes from Stuart there. Stuart is here to give you feedback on that executive business review. And exactly. he's seen better. Yeah, he has. And it doesn't yet matter that he's not real. It's just like, you know, you'll enjoy it. You'll get a laugh and then you'll want to buy our product. At least that's I how it. I imagine marketing working. Uh, close. That's how demand gen works. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty close. Good job. But this is, this is why I have you. I, I just say stupid things and then you make money out of them, which is. We well, do it. We make it happen. That's the, the comic book series that nobody wants. <laughs> Okay, my last question for you. When you look ahead, because we talked a lot about like childhood competitive Annie figure skater Alexa. Future Alexa, is she an entrepreneur? Have you started your own business? Are you on a farm with llamas? Are you traveling Mount Everest? That's a good Those are your three question. options. You have to you pick Okay, so my three options were llama, <laughs> Mount Everest, or entrepreneur. Yeah. I think entrepreneur is maybe the one I would, maybe I'm a llama entrepreneur, who knows? Ooh. I, I um, yeah, long-term. So I really, I really, 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 really want to have the experience that I got to see take place here in Indianapolis. So the Salesforce acquisition of Exact Target, which is now Marketing Cloud. And Exact Target was a ESP founded and headquartered here in Indianapolis. It was like our largest tech organization. And it was acquired by Salesforce. And I got to, I kind of came into the market as an employable person after that had happened. But what it did was, one, it was great for our local economy in Indianapolis. Two, it inspired a lot of people to start their own entrepreneurial tech ventures. It launched High Alpha Studios, which is a venture capital incubator here in, in, our, in our fair city. And it dispersed a lot of really talented people who had like big tech experience out into the employable ecosystem. And that acquisition piece is something that I really want to experience as an employee, that's something I really want for Catalyst. It's been a goal as I have selected previous employers and will be a goal as I continue to select future employers. Just kidding, Edward, I'm going to retire from here. But like, yeah. that is a goal of mine. And I try to be really transparent about that for a couple of reasons. One, there's obviously a financial incentive to join an organization that's like, you know, going to be evaluated very highly and have some sort of exit. And two, once you have that experience, it is invaluable and you can go elsewhere and contribute to late stage companies experiencing the same thing, early stage companies who are on that path. And so from a professional standpoint, I'm very focused on that and that is what I want to do. But I also do, um, if you don't mind, keep a note in my phone. I keep a lot of notes in my phone. Please tell me it's and a business is, ideas folder. It is, it's a business ideas Excellent. note. And I'm gonna go ahead and read you <clears throat> some. The first one is a sunscreen station. It's like a spray tan yep. station. So you get in it and yeah. you stand and then it sprays you down. That's brilliant. We could re repurpose those machines from the airport that we don't need. Just Correct. put in sunscreen in spray cans. And that's brilliant. It sprays you. Don't you think that's such a good idea? Yeah, because I'm, why I'm are we still rubbing ourselves? You have to like awkwardly ask someone like anytime Anthony and I are on vacation, we're like, Will they like hate like if we're in Florida, we're like, are they gonna yell at us for like being gay? Because it's like a man putting sunscreen on me, like 
<laughs> it solves so many problems. Okay, yeah, so sunscreen station. Okay, so we yeah, like that. I don't know like what that. it's called yet, but that's an idea. Oh, pasties, you know, like for your yeah, nipples. Yeah, for nipples. But, but they're hand warmers. They're like a little warm. So okay. if you're out and about <laughs> okay. and you're not wearing a bra and you're cold. Is that an active you know, problem that women experience a lot? I don't know, but it's something I've experienced. <laughs> you know, where I'm out at the bar and I've chosen not wear a bra. I'm like, my boobs are a little cold. Pasties, but they're hand warmers. The yeah, issue yeah. here that I know will come up is like with current hand warmers, they do get too hot. We want to avoid yeah, that. You don't want to How do we create a lukewarm sensation for like many, many hours? <laughs> We haven't, we smart. haven't figured it out. We it's haven't an IOT like a, thing. It's an IOT yes, thing. Yes, correct. We're going to yeah. figure this out. Okay. Couple, couple others. Oh, Halloween pop-up bars. There are not enough mm. spooky themed Halloween pop-up bars. I really like spooky things. Oh, this one just says mover. So it's a moving company, but they're all dressed like cows. I think there's something <laughs> here. Um, and last, this is actually something I'm pretty passionate about is, um, I think soon, like very soon, like within our lifetime, probably within the next eight to 10 years, the concept of hearing aids is going to become just as common as wearing glasses is. Mm -hmm. So I think like we live in a very, 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 very loud world. And if you are somebody who cannot hear well, that's incredibly overwhelming to you. If also, if you're somebody who experiences like a lot of sensory overload, and I think in the next like eight to 10 years, technology like that, where it's kind of optional, like optional hearing devices, whether it's to turn the world down or turn it up or turn specific parts of the world up. I think mm. that's going to become just as common as like visual aids are for people that wear glasses. And I don't have any experience in this. This is just a guess, but as somebody who is like a frequent concert goer, and I like to be out and about, and I like to experience things, I often am like overwhelmed by it all the things that are happening. And I think like, wow, if you're somebody with like some sort of like auditory disability, like this would be very challenging for you. So it's not a business idea, but I don't, I don't have a solution, but I do think hearing aids or something similar is going to be just as common as glasses here in, in the very, very near future. So and, invest in um, hearing aids is what you're saying. That's what I'm that's saying. Like invest, just in, invest hearing in hearing aids. If you hear okay. nothing else from this podcast, that's yes, what go I want out you to and hear. buy hearing aid stocks and wear right sunscreen. Now. And wear sunscreen. Yeah, I'm now I'm trying to think of like a really good name for this station, but all I can think of the tagline is like son of a bitch and it's S-U-N. I just think that would be really fun as like the tagline. I like the it. I like it, especially because as the bitch orphan, I think that makes a lot of sense. Wow, you really you brought this episode full circle. So I like to we like to tie it up. We like to tie it up. Neat little bow. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love working with you. You too. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Make sure to subscribe. And if you want to reach out to us, our email is community at getcatalyst.io.